Ah, Cabrini Green, Candyman country. Well, if you're after the hookman, Helen, you really must read the paper I wrote about him ten years ago. I mean, you do know the story, don't you? No. <laughs> Come along, everyone. Step right up. Hey, welcome back to House of a Thousand Horrors. Today, well, I'm Jordan, by the way, and we are rounding out Candyman 2021, I guess we're calling it. I got uh, Riley with me, my co-host. Whoo, guys, we made it. We got through. And I got two rough thoughts. <laughs> Your boys got thoughts, dude. Some and hot takes, even. Dude, I'm a real fan, too. I've seen this movie twice in theaters. Yeah, I've been slack, and I've only caught it once. And it's <laughs> kind of ironic, fan, dude. dude. Dude, I, I watched two and three twice, and like I didn't give the respect this movie deserved to give it a second watch. Well, dude, that's I. Th- I don't know if we said it in the last episode at the end, but like this one makes you really appreciate. Like, you have to see the second and third one. And you're like, this movie's amazing. Yeah, no, I, dude, it was it was a trip to go from like Candyman one, and then we saw the new Candyman, and then I went back to two and three. Oh, that's and true. It's just like. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like it, and it was so shitty of me to think that, like, oh, I respect the new one so much more than I initially did going into it. Yeah, because I kind of put you on blast in the last episode too, kind of saying like, I'm not saying you didn't like it, but uh, I, def- I, th- I definitely had mixed was feelings. like on the fence with it, like irrationally on the fence. I kind of was too that first viewing. Um, part of it is because they kind of throw you for some loops because I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to do the whole movie. I'm like, what are they trying to do? You're like, yeah, and that's probably going to start happening more and more with me. Now that as I'm getting older and there's like these movies from like when I was much younger Slowing down Jordan. Yeah. Well, I have such reverence for these movies. So I'm like ve- viewing it like I'm automatically so skeptical, even though I was so hyped when Jordan Peele was like announced he was doing this. Which I remember, yeah. dude, right after Get Out, which one was that? That was like, what, like 2016? 2016? I think so. And right after Get Out, dude, I remember within the like next few months, I feel like, when it was such a smash hit, I know Jordan Peele like, instantly started saying that, you know, everyone wanted to know what he's doing next, and he was like, he threw Candyman like, right out there. Yeah, dude, he fucking blew up. And like seriously, he he was taking he was taking heads. He was grabbing what he could hold. And this movie's been in the works for a long, basically since he said that. I think it's been in the works. I think the earliest they were in talks publicly was 2018. I'm pretty sure. And then like 2019, they started shooting and shit like that. In yeah, Chicago, but if you think of like, the, like you know all the build up up to that. Too, like, you know, getting the rights and all that and actually getting it to happen. I really think it was basically set in motion, like, not too long after Get Out. It was his final grand plan. Hey, and that's that's the dream, though. You, like, you get the respect. Cause, you know, he's a comedian. No one's expecting him to do horror. You get the respect. <laughs> it's an instant success. And then it's like, okay, now what do I actually want to do? Like, you know, what's my dream project? Yeah, because it was almost like right after Get Out, it was us. Which had like a 2018 release or something, right? Yeah, I still have so yet to see us too, and I've always wanted to. 
Us was pretty good. We might we might cover that. Yeah, in a we should episode because yeah, no, Us was definitely. It was. I loved unique. Us. Or I mean, get out. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, George, come <laughs> on, man. Well, just to cover the the basics of the movie, of course, the movie is just called Candyman, uh, which of course every new like rendition of these old movies is doing that, which is actually really annoying <laughs> to me. Then, yeah, you got to specify year and shit. Yeah, like. That, how Halloween did that and Nightmare on Elm Street, I think even Friday the 13th, like they just call it that, like it's the first one, like no, don't do that. Yeah. I, I think everyone's afraid to do like whatever it is, 10 or, you know, the actual oh, number. Jesus, yeah. But Throw that shit out there in the front lines, be like, yeah, this is the 10th movie. Yeah, they're so afraid to do it, but at least like find a happy medium. Lost count. No, I think they're so afraid from a marketing aspect you know, for people to like see, like, well, I haven't seen the first nine, so you know, yeah, but that'll get them watching the the first nine. But shoot, I mean, this movie pulls it off in terms of like why I really hate a lot of those movies that are doing that because they're going for like, um, basically like a remake angle, but like not quite a remake, and to a lot of times it comes off like just disrespectful. To be honest, this new one. No, no, no. Like all the movies that are doing oh, the, that. Okay. I, I was about to say, dude. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. spitting way too early, Jordan. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I get what you're saying, dude. Yeah, no. Well, this one released August 27th, 2021, which we saw it the 28th, I think. Dude, this movie. stealth dropped. Stealth like, personally. Dropped. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, and the crazy thing is, dude, you know that this was delayed. It was supposed to come out like somewhere in June of like 2020. I believe it. I think this movie's been done a long time, but because of COVID, yeah. no, it, dude, it it was pretty, it was pretty like insane. Just re- researching a little bit of the production behind it and like finding out that like, you know, this again was like in works for so long, and it just literally came out of nowhere from like my perspective, and like I was super fortunate enough too to not see any like trailers for like literally I saw a trailer for it w- like a week or two after it came out. Yeah, and that's nice. And I was just, and that's another thing like every movie is afraid to do right now. And I don't know if they intentionally did that or not, but I'm so glad mm-hmm. we wasn't just getting crammed down our throat. And look, without the marketing, at least none that I saw, it's still like knocked it out of the park in terms of oh, how dude. much it made. Yeah, no, because when you got like Marvel advertisement, that just makes you want to see your movie less and less. Yeah. Or show me. Like, Horror just, movies is so... the worst because you show me the whole movie. Exactly. That Halloween be... movie coming out. Dude, I swear I've seen the whole movie now. <laughs> We got the synopsis in the trailer. Yeah. Um, yeah actually, this weekend, though, uh, Friday, September 17th, you can start ordering it on demand, though. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So All right. Less than a month. In my digital library. Gosh, there's some nice parts of being in the technology age, but I'm glad we saw it in theaters. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. I It's been a while for me. Seriously. To catch a movie in theaters, and, like, thank God it was Candyman. Yeah. Like, and I'll a movie be real. It was like, very, very nice experience. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, so just the synopsis. Um, in present day, many years after the last of the Cabrini Towers were torn down, Anthony and his partner move into a loft in the new gentrified Cabrini. A chance encounter with an old-timer exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman. Anxious to use these macabre details in the studio as fresh grist for paintings, he unknowingly opens a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence. Uh, tagline is dare to say his name and also just 
which is the one I keep seeing say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, that's not, I guess it's not bad. No um, harm, but nothing too, you know, super out there. Do you know what the budget is on this? Quick guess. I'd say like 25 mil. That's literally mean? exactly what it is. Oh, dude. <laughs> 25 Look at that. Spark notes for the win yet again, Jordan. <laughs> um, which, you see, it. I mean, I think that's respectable. I mean, it's not too crazy high. I, I saw a $25 million movie. Seeing the whole recreation of Cabrini Green like back in the 90s, I felt like that definitely took a lot of money because that production was super, super nice. The puppets? The uh, flash puppets. No, the, the flashback to Cabrini Green, the little backstory we get of... Um. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sherman. I'm trying to remember the character's name, but the the laundromat guy. Yeah, yeah. No, he's that, not that Sherman. Whole the candy setting. guy is Sherman. I forgot. Like, is his Will? I'll say I Will. think William, right? Yeah, William Burke. William Burke. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that that whole flashback uh, was super super nice. It looked like super authentic. So definitely I feel like How'd a lot of the budget that? went to Huh? I didn't just realize that till now. How did they do that? I don't well, I I don't know, dude. It's twenty five million dollars. <laughs> definitely they probably built um a large shooting area, like recreationally, for that specific time era. Cause that again, it was it was really, really nice. I don't think they built something because then they would have used it for current day Cabrini Green because I was a little bummed. I mean, you can't do anything really about it, but the actual, you know, like high rises don't exist anymore. So, yeah, like all the final scenes and stuff, they'll take place like in the the row houses, which are legit. They, they still exist and that's mm-hmm. what those were. But yeah, the actual building isn't there anymore. Which kind of so, sucks. Yeah, no, that I can definitely see where their budget went into in terms of just set design. Because that was super stellar. Well, they made it back for sure. Yeah. Cause oh, definitely, dude. Gross U.S. and Canada right now is forty-eight million. Gross worldwide Ooh. is sixty-one million. Damn. And opening weekend was twenty-two million, which dude, is dude. Pff, that's insane. Out. I mean, again, like I don't know if it's just us, but like this was like stealth dropped. This came out in what August? You said August twenty third. I wouldn't have known about twenty seventh. I seriously 27th. would not have known about it if I think I texted you right after. I'm walking by the movie theater because we always walk downtown, <laughs> and I see Candyman the poster. I was like, "What?" And it was a Thursday, and that was the day it came out, the twenty sixth. I'm like, "Wait, what? Hold the phone." Yeah, dude, you you literally texted me that very day that I got the first ever trailer shown to me of it. Granted, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw it was in my feed for YouTube, and I was just like, well, "Huh." Wait, this is a thing? It might be because there might have been social media marketing that we just didn't see. Like, are you, you're not really on social media like mm-hmm. that, are you? Not too, too crazy. No, not at all. Yeah, that might be because that's where most marketing, I feel like, is done nowadays. And, you know, neither mm-hmm. of us are really on it. So, a lot of like rumors or leaks about like certain things coming out. Yeah. It's like a Twitter kind of deal or like a Reddit or just ads, too. True, true, true. Um, it was filmed, obviously, in Chicago. And we got some huge actors for this. Um, for Anthony McCoy, the main protagonist, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II. Um, he's in like everything and he's blowing up even more. Yeah, no, dude, I I looked into him because I, I thought I recognized him. He's in Watchmen, right? 
Oh yeah, he's in Watchmen. Yeah, no, dude. I, I swear to God, I recognize the face. I'm like, dude, you're from something. But just as you said, let alone, dude, the success of Candyman is probably going to skyrocket his career. I mean, it's like he doesn't even need it though. He's already filming as Morpheus in the new Matrix and as Black Manta in the new Aquaman. He's the new Morpheus. Yes. Dude, what? Yeah, like he doesn't even need Candyman. That's what's crazy. Holy shit! This is like beneath him almost. He's Black Manta coming out for the new Aquaman too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that. Okay. That is where I recognize him. I think initially, and that's that's a, like a 2022 film, right? It's not even close to coming out yet. No, but they're both filming. So 2022 Damn. is going to be a crazy year for him. The Aquaman oh, and he's Morpheus. Good on him, dude. He did a stellar job, too, in this movie as well. Seriously. I recognize him from Black Mirror, the Striking Vipers episode, which is crazy if you haven't seen that. Dude, I need to fucking catch up on Black Mirror. I only saw like a couple episodes. Watch that episode and just, it is wild, dude. (laughs) And it's a gamer one, so you'll appreciate it. Yo. (laughs) He's also in Us, and that's why I haven't seen that. Us, uh, Jordan Peele's other movie. Yeah, okay. And then you got the other heavy hitter, Tiona Paris, as Brianna Cartwright, his girlfriend. She's blowing up. She's been in Empire, Dear White People, WandaVision, and she's coming out. She's going to be in the the Marvels coming out next year. Mm, Okay. She's like, so I don't know much about superheroes, but she's playing Spectrum, who's like the original Captain Marvel, I guess. Spectrum? Yeah. Huh. So they're both huge shit, okay. superhero stars, you know. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, Jordan. Holy shit! But I I think Candyman 2021 is, you know, putting Candyman 3's money where its mouth is. Holy shit! I thought I, we had a stellar cast in Candyman 3. <laughs> well, that's just because of them ten eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long those titties will hold up, dude. <laughs> hey, I saw recent pictures of her on her IMDb. Oh yeah, that's right. Current research. Not I forgot about bad. that. You think Nikki Six was messing with some like girl with bad genetics, dude? Come on, bro. <laughs> God, Jesus Christ. He had a child with her, dude. He's trying to he's trying to take hold of those genes in both he ways. He did choose the perfect vessel, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Them childbearing hips. <laughs> All right, Jordan. All right. But I know her from uh Mad Men. That's where I recognize her from. Mad Men, okay. Yeah. Um you got Nathan Stewart Jarrett as Troy Cartwright, her brother. You got this guy I love, Coleman Domingo, as William Burke. Yeah. Amazing. And then you got, like, some of your side characters, too. Uh, well, honestly, I didn't know. Um, Director, who can basically write... She gets a blank check at this point, Nia DaCosta. This is, like, basic, this is really, like, she's kind of... I don't want to say a nobody in, like, a bad way, but she really hasn't done anything. This is like her breakout. This is going to change her career. Good, good fucking start, though. Seriously. Yeah. Jordan Peele must have saw something. But I don't even think it was his decision, ultimately. I don't know. I'm not too sure, because I thought, yeah, reading up on the production, she was, like, picked really, really early on in, like, before pre-production, even. But um, Jordan Peele was initially supposed to direct and write. And something happened. I'm wondering if he's just so busy that like yeah. it just wasn't realistic he could direct it as well, or if he's trying to get someone else a shot. Probably a little mix of both, dude. Because honestly, where where Jordan Peele's going, he's 
probably fucking like busting out movies left and right right now. Yeah, I mean, as we speak, he's probably working on another fucking header. So, yeah, I mean, they haven't really missed yet. So, yeah, no. So he's she's, so far a perfect track record, dude. The only um thing she's done, she has a a couple episodes of a show called Top Boy she directed, and a movie called Little Woods. Um, it's basically like. The Little Woods movie is it kind of looks interesting. It's supposed to be a modern Western crime drama that's based off a retelling oh. of Othello. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> really? But you know okay. what else? She's also set as the director for The Marvels. The Marvels, yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. So Damn, Okay, so she's fucking blowing up now. Damn, these are yeah. all like crazy fucking glow ups from the cast. Yeah. So it's like Damn, man. I wonder. I you know I didn't look up the timeline, but I'm guessing the Marvels. If it says already filming now, it must have been. She must have got that gig as she was doing Candyman, or after it was filmed. Probably. I don't think when it's released because it was just released. So, mm-hmm. apparently, maybe it's based off that Little Woods movie because I mean she basically has already been. She's in the game heavy. <laughs> Yeah, no, dude, she's fucking knee deep in it already. So yeah, once you, I mean, to her though, man. If you do a Marvel movie, you're golden. <laughs> true, but that is absolutely fucking true. That's what all these studios are doing right now. They want huge blockbuster movies, and they want like cheap directors that are like cool and indie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's cool though. I watched an interview of her. Um, she was like, she said she's like a super horror fan. Like her nice. whole life. Okay, I, I hope we see some future horror films from her then. Because yeah, that's what I'm if worried. Candyman is any constellation. I am ecstatic to fucking see what she can direct next. The problem is, like, well, she did uh, make a lot of money off this, but I'm if she gets to like huge status, you know, you know, Marvel status, those make way more money than horror movies. So true, but so I'm hoping she I, I revisits. There's there's a good chance there's a good chance after her Marvel career, she might want to go back down towards not really indie projects but definitely tackling on some horror projects. Yeah, well, she basically was talking about with Candyman. She kind of wanted to expand on the backstory and kind of the lore of Candyman. Um, she said she basically wanted to have it from like the black point of view, the black experience, since these are the people actually experiencing it, and not like someone mm-hmm. doing a thesis on the outside. I could argue, we could argue about that later on, maybe because it's still kind of an outside approach because they do the whole gentrified thing. But you know, these are the people living in the the gentrified housing and stuff, so it's still kind of on the outside. But you know, yeah, I mean, you can definitely see strides towards that perspective, though. Definitely, for sure, definitely, and that makes sense too. You don't want it to always be, which Candyman 2 and 3 kind of missed the mark. You don't always no. want it to be one main yeah. white girl and Candyman. Like, that's, you didn't have to do that every sequel after. Yeah, no, it it, it was rough. It really kind of did a lot more than missed the mark, dude. It fucking did <laughs> a completely different one altogether. Yeah, because it's just weird, to be honest. I mean, you do it once for the first one, it's interesting, but to keep harping on it makes it weird, to be honest. <laughs> to keep you like, no, we have to have the main white girl. valuing the first one. <laughs> yeah, seriously, so, it does. Yeah, no, it's rough. Um, writer of this is, of course, Jordan Peele and Nia DaCosta and Wynn Rosenfeld. Um, 
there's some interesting stuff about the writing, and this is like you know I pieced together what I could, but um, because Jordan Peele was the writer and director, then he moved on to just like producer slash writer. So I guess I think she did most of the writing, or it was like a collaborative thing. Probably, probably more collaborative if anything. But I'm guessing if that's why they moved him to a producer role, that might be because of like okay, like we were saying, like. He needs to just take some weight off his shoulders. Yeah, and have like a you know up and coming director do something. Um, Which is super super cool, by the way. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Just dope as hell to hear. Regardless of like the context, it's really nice to see directors like this. Oh, I much prefer that. Yeah. Spotlight. Definitely. All right. Well, we, let's, I think it's time to get into it. All right. I hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. Well, you found him. Oh, did we find Candyman? Dude, there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot, man. And it's so weird how, you know, Candyman's been built up, you know, these past, well, not even past, more so like what? The original was 1992. The sequel was 95, and then the third one was 99, right? Yeah. So, yeah, about essentially seven years in between the trilogy that we had, there was really jack shit in terms of, like, real new lore. It was just retelling and retconning of his backstory. Yeah, every piece of lore, I think, after the first one... Um, just regurgitated almost. Yeah, but whatever they added was terrible. <laughs> With the whole Toronto, yeah, no, like, anything uh, they added ruined Candyman. But this one takes it in a really, you know, genuinely new and like interesting uh, direction. And for the most part, they kept it simple, which I appreciate. Yeah, no, they did not go overboard. Now, there's definitely a lot of themes of like th- this felt a lot more psychological. Than any other Candyman, all except for a little bit of the first one. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still think the first one has more of the dread. Yeah. I think the first one's still... And then you have, like, the cop angle where, like, she's basically being pinned for the crime, which you get a Mm -hmm. little bit at the end, but I don't know. I still think the first one does that better, but this one obviously blows the other ones out of the water and tries to capture that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They was much more in the same style as the first one. Makes sense. Yeah, and it's funny because going in from only seeing the first one, not really fully watching the second or third Candyman movies, when I when I initially was watching this, I was like a little bit confused. I'm like, all right, so what are they doing? Like, where where's Tony Todd? And like, what what is their angle here? And that's why I was but, anxious. And because I knew. I remember a Twitter exchange like a long time ago back when Candyman was being like announced when Jordan Peele was saying you want to do it and people were all tweeting at Jordan Peele saying you got to have Tony Todd and Tony Todd was saying like, oh no, you know, let them go a different direction if they want and Jordan Peele like replied to him saying like, who else would we have as Candyman basically? Yeah. So that was super cool. Tony Todd gave his blessings and everything to the production team and, like, the new crew. Oh, the realist, dude. Which is really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> no, so definitely... I'll, right, it, it, it's needless to say, dude, a lot of respect went into this movie for the original. Yeah, but that's why I was so anxious because I'm like, 
what are they trying to do here at first, which is good because yeah. they did similar things like the, the fake out and uh, there was certain like the opening credits, you know, they do the same like the skyline. Oh, Beautiful as fuck. I loved the opening sequence in this movie. Holy shit, was that super fucking awesome. They, I think they just did it in reverse, right? So instead of looking over well, the city. It was a camera looking up to the sky, I'm pretty sure. So it's just the same thing flipped as the first one. Yeah, essentially, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so there was so many little nods like that that I was like, okay, she knows the source material, and that's why I believe mm-hmm. her that she's super into horror movies because like... Research was actually done in this film. For sure. Dude, and another thing, man, this fucking movie was beautiful as fuck. Crazily. (laughs) Crazy. Dude, we got to get the cinematographer. What what was his name? Let me, I'm going to go look that up if you want to talk about your thing. But dude, fucking stellar job. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the trend of horror movies now. And I don't hate it because it really gives... I think it's making the horror movie horror genre like really, really respectable and legitimate because of mm-hmm. how beautiful Not, and like intense it is. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm gonna speak a little bit ahead and now, but the fucking cinematography with the kills. My nice. <laughs> fucking nice, dude. Which there's a lot of um controversy with that just because of not showing it, but I don't hate it because of how like revolutionary feel i've never really seen anything like it and you know it's interesting because it's almost kind of like they're toying with the whole fact of like oh this was it you know like the other movies before us except for the first one they were trying to be slasher and like graphic right and like they're they're kind of doing that whole you know horror element of like we don't see it so it's more terrifying of what we imagine it to be yeah she was making the movie for us essentially the people who really appreciate Candyman for what it was trying to do and what it did as opposed to like what the studios really wanted it to be is like a typical slasher which you still have a large Mm. portion of the fan base wants that so those are the same people that are hating on it because it's not like why isn't this just hack and slash and this like she knew the source material the the suspense yeah yeah no for real I mean now I can I can see the argument not saying i agree with it i can see the argument of people being upset of like a majority of kills being like off screen or like not visible to us but i felt like this movie definitely had a lot of on screen kills to make up for the few that were like off screen i mean i think we we're both a little bit like the bathroom scene is not i mean it's a little too not showing. I mean, you kill yeah. four, I, five people? Four or five? Four, people. I think. Four people. Four. The fifth one, like, it got, like, she got scared off, and then she came back, and then she went in the stall. But you can't kill. I mean, that shot was still so great, that whole sequence. But still, killing four people, not showing one of them. Yeah. Just know. dragging them off screen. Now, I thought what they were going to do, which I thought would have been fucking awesome, is have that whole, like, makeup mirror. When it was like when it had that zoom in, uh, it was gonna show the kills through that little mirror. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. I, that's what I was thinking. And then when it didn't show it, I was like, "All right, a little bit disappointed." Like you, you could have made it really cool because again, like just how fucking 
spot on the cinematography was in this. Like, I thought we were going to get some really dope angles. The thing now, is, though, in yeah. respect to the first one, though, the first one didn't really show anything like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, if anything, she's being more, like, dedicated True. to the original. Yeah. So, I can't really but hate I will. It. I will say, though, that despite that bathroom death scene, that first kill, Whew. the double kill, Jeez. Dude, that was nice. That was cool. That was graphic. It definitely, it kind of, I wouldn't say it caught me off guard, but I was like, that fucking geyser. Yeah, and he flings her back. He picks her up, tries to like Mm -hmm. sling her back, and the blood spurts over top of her. I've never seen that. That was nuts. That, whew. That was so smart. That was cool. I can fucking gush about that. Yeah, to make while. that the first sequence of kills too was like, oh shit! It changed the whole thing. It's like, oh, this is the kind of movie. Like, oh shit! Yeah, makes you like strap in. Like, damn. Okay, we're really mm-hmm. doing it. Caught me because I will say my initial thoughts of you know watching this movie that I told you in the parking lot. I was like, there was a lot of times where I was on board and then I got off board, but mm-hmm. that I was mostly on board. But honestly, though, again, like like I said earlier, just seeing the past films. And then getting back to this, bro, I'm I'm fully fucking on the ride, like on this one. Oh yeah. And I was skeptical too because of the whole candy man, the Sherman guy, who's kind of a fake oh, out, but dude. also candy. Thought they were gonna turn him into a fucking pedophile. <laughs> Deadass thought they were gonna go fucking Freddy on him. I thought that was who the candy man was. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, I was gonna be really upset. That's because they opened with that song. It's like right before the actual yeah. opening. They open with the candy man can. I'm like, okay, they're going way too literal with this. Because then you opening scene, you have mm-hmm. him giving candy. I'm like, wait, did they just make Candyman an actual candy man? I was like, what am I watching? I was like, is this why I didn't hear about it? Because it's a complete dud. <laughs> you know, that was those were the thoughts that were going God. through my head at first. Yeah, no, dude. Definitely watching this, um, without seeing really anything of it, I was my guard was up. I was definitely kind of like on edge for most of this film. But you know, there to be fair, there really wasn't all too much to be like defensive about, considering just, you know, now realizing in like hindsight how fucking stellar this movie really is yeah and that adds to it too when you get the fake out um just yeah. like again the first one like, so nice the fake out was like oh okay uh it's a I moment mean, of relief dude She's yeah like, thank god the whole i don't love or hate it but the whole um candy man is a bunch of different people thing i'm like i mean it is a no kind- i will s- yeah, no, on, no, go ahead. I'll let so. you finish your thought. My bad. I didn't want to cut you off there. No, I want to collect my thoughts on it too, so you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, you know, initially I wasn't a big fan, but thinking about it, I really like it because how it plays onto the fact of Helen in the first one, how she became a myth, and more so now that we kind of have that clarity because that new, in quotes, Candyman was after the events of the first movie. Well, I just think it's really a device for them to kind of set up the ending in the sense that, like, and the whole idea the of it, it's it's all about injustice. Well, yeah, the cameo, and then, like, yeah. it's all about just injustice occurring over and over again, which is its own commentary in itself. But I, I don't know. I think it detracts from the original idea of 
the Candyman. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from it, on that point. It does definitely. give him an out, though, to be like, you know, sets up for future, like what should have been done with the other sequels. Like, it sets it up so you can go a bunch of directions now. It's almost kind of like, in a sense, they tried making that spiritual extension of that uh, anthology a little bit. Right. Where, you know, it's a different Candyman, so they're not limited to that Candyman's lore. Not to say that it's not interesting to explore, but it's definitely kind of a little bit like you can see those, like, subtle parallels between we're trying to branch out and, like, I guess that's why I like it a little bit more because... This is essentially a sequel to the first movie, and it is trying something completely new. Like, they're taking a risk in that. And Mm -hmm. initially, I wasn't for it, but kind of, again, like I said, like, really thinking about it and, like, sitting down with that idea, I kind of like it just a little bit on the side of how clever it is on how we see Helen turn into that, like, urban legend, that, like, immortalized phantom. Yeah. I mean, so, I just I don't I won't I won't really say it's clever <laughs> because I think it's the mm-hmm. most obvious route to go. It just makes sense. Like I instantly like I don't know how many minutes in the movie, but I'm like, okay, they're doing an everyone is Candyman kind of thing. Once I realized, like, well, with the Sherman, the, the actual Candyman, they man, definitely went for that cult thing. I will I will say, as much as I like the movie, a lot of the stuff was predictable. Because yeah. what was it like? Fifteen minutes into the movie, I, I looked over to you and I'm like, dude. The main yes. character is going to turn to the next game. Yeah, game. yeah. I can't. There's like, a specific I, part where they let you know, basically. I figured, as, like, literally as soon as he got stung by the bee, I'm like, that's the fucking hand he's going to get the hook on. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it's going to be. Yep. Because what made me think about that was the fact that uh, Anthony was never killed, nor was the girl, which I was a little bit surprised that Brianna, which is uh, Anthony. What's his last name? Not McCoy, is it? Yeah. McCoy? Anthony McCoy? Yep. Yeah, how Anthony McCoy's... Um, are they r- married or are they just... The dating. Boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll I'll just say Brianna. She wasn't killed. Um, It was the couple in the library that said Candyman five times after the fact. And I was like, okay, what's this plot immunity? And then that's when it kind of clicked. Wait, I was like, oh, there's something special about Anthony McCoy and... Brianna, wait for which part? In the in the very beginning, when uh, Anthony says Candyman five times in their apartment, they say it first before the art show, and then after the art show, um, when that the owner of the art studio and then his girl, uh, she says it five times, and then she gets killed off, and then he dies shortly after her, but oh, yet okay. neither of those two died, and I'm like, okay, like. There's a little bit of plot armor, so I'm thinking to myself, there's definitely something special with at least Anthony. Well, they went heavy on the message, right? Which the first one was more about like kind of just this vengeful spirit that was Candyman that he's just killing everybody who calls his name. This one was a little mm-hmm. too heavy on the messaging and then takes it back because then you have like um, Sherman, not Sherman, why I keep calling him Sherman, William Burke. Um, his They show a flashback of when he was a kid and his sister mm-hmm. dies just for saying it in the mirror. So I'm like, yeah. that's actually more in line with the uh, first one because like, if you summon him, he will kill you. But this movie mm-hmm. doesn't really set that up, basically. It's almost like it has to have a a reason. It's almost like the vengeance of Anthony in this case. Um, yeah, 
But then you have like so, and then you have the bathroom scene, right? Those four girls singing in the mirror. Um, mm-hmm. Then they throw in. There's just this like black girl that comes in, and she's kind of getting bullied by them on the side. Basically, that was that wasn't the one that left, was it? She survives. Like she doesn't get killed. She's just in the yeah, bathroom but, stall. Yeah, I I forgot if that was the girl that uh, essentially just pussied out and ran no. off. I don't. No, she walks in. Girl? No, she walks in when they're doing it and like hides yeah, in the bathroom stall. It. And they're all like, because she has her earbuds in, right? Like her yeah, headphones and the, doesn't hear them. They're all calling her names and stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah. so like they're making it almost like a thing. And she's the only black one there, so they're making it like a thing. Like you know, Candyman is this because it's all racial injustice. So like you know, that's kind of why Candyman's mm-hmm. killing them. So it's like, what what is it? Does he have to only kill people for mm-hmm. a message, or is he just vengeful? They kind of play with both. Yeah, I mean, I'll be real. That whole bathroom scene, I didn't really take it as much. So like, he was fighting against like racial injustice. But then why did they throw that? that pointed in there, it out though. though. It definitely seems like it was set up for that. I love the idea of it because that go that actually brings me back. To like the urban legend sense and the Bloody Mary, like we talked about, that brings well, you me know, back. That because that kind of makes, uh, you know, speaking about it, dude. Uh, now that we actually kind of have like a pinned down motive of Candyman. Well, I'm just saying, why did they throw that girl in there though? Like that part just didn't need to be in there. Then it was like yeah. racial for racial sake. It is like, see, there is a reason though, but it's like that didn't need to mm-hmm. be there. Yeah, and. Then, I guess, I mean, really, the first one is kind of like this, too, where, you know, further along in the film, Candyman's whole premise gets a little bit twisted because I don't want to go too far ahead and, like, jump boats. Uh, but towards the end, you you see Brianna weaponize Candyman, and it's like, okay... But shouldn't right. you die too after you called the name? Like, exactly. So it's like, which yeah. is it then? That which that stuff. That? Yeah. And I, well, because that was also Anthony though, so maybe that would have been different because Anthony. It, you know, and that that's actually kind of an interesting subject to talk about a little bit later. But yeah, no, I definitely think that Anthony is somehow tied to all the kills that happen because it's all people he doesn't like. You know, like the art. Yeah. People that like make fun of him, the art director and his like summer intern, and the art critic. Can we talk about how the art in this movie was actually really well used as opposed to the <laughs> yeah. other two? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I really liked the actual, you know, dedication to art because it's literally like the, the second and third was just like, yeah, here's like a couple of paintings and. Uh, here's some street art, and that's about it. We're not going to do really anything with it other than just write the same quote, sweets for the sweet. But this one was actually very, very... I liked it a lot. Although I did have a criticism about it a little bit where um, you don't really see transformatively how the art kind of becomes more and more decrepit. It's kind of like you get that full painting already done, and then it's later revealed when Brianna comes back home and she's all like, Anthony, what the fuck is wrong with you? Kind of when he has that like whole um, like blowout scene at the yeah. dinner. I don't mind that but, so like, much. I, I do like um, how all the paintings and stuff like get more and more grotesque and like graphic and stuff. Like I, I dig that a lot. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Oh, like, definitely. Super well-utilized, 
thank you because it's like you know it was literally only the first movie that also really and it didn't hark on the art too much in the first one but it was still there it was like a tool for the next couple of movies to utilize and like expand on and they just fucking ignored it so i'm glad that this one actually really did something about it made our main character our well here's the thing would you consider anthony the protagonist or brianna i guess technically brianna I feel like it's kind of a mix of like we start off with Anthony and then we we lose Anthony's perspective and we go to Brianna's. It does tie in perfectly with the whole prophecy angle of like basically Anthony is prophesized to die this whole movie. Yeah. And I guess does that technically not retcon, but it changes a little bit of the motivation and now actually sets down concretely the motives of the first movie it does because yes it does for sure because um it has his mom which shout out to her for coming back um uh, Marie <laughs> is the character's name i forgot the actress, the actress's name. name yeah she came back it was it i think vanessa williams yeah i think so and she's back as the mom which is awesome but you're right because she, when she's explaining it to him, she Can does say she's not aged a day. No, by the way, looking great. She is super fucking beautiful. Like literally yeah. thirty years later, she looks great. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they retcon in the sense that mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, Candyman wanted to kill you, which from her perspective, she would think that. I guess. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. I don't mind that because honestly, it, what I like is a little bit how characters aren't going to act based on what the audience knows, but what they know. Yes. I dig that. So with dialogue, it was pretty pretty smart how they handled it. Yeah. I, but essentially, it was still a retcon nonetheless, though, of just his motives with Anthony. Because originally in the first one, didn't we both kind of say that he meant to just kind of lure out uh, Helen? Yeah. It's kind of like to baiting get her to join him. Yeah. Yeah. She was the prophecy, um, which basically he's the prophecy, which is kind of, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like that Star Wars fake out. You just have to kind of uh, almost not analyze some of those aspects because then it does kind of yeah. throw it off. And then it's like, okay, what are the motivations here? Yeah. Because what are the motivations for Candyman making him? Well, there is no singular Candyman now. So Yeah, and you know what? Now thinking about it, that I kind of don't really mind the... Uh, I wouldn't even really call it over attachment, but more so just kind of like the the pushing forward of racial injustice in this movie, because you know it, it is a different Candyman, and so that actually kind of leads to believe that like, all right, so it's good to kind of see that each Candyman is going to be different and have their own set of motives. So, uh, Daniel Robitaille. Uh, had his own motives in the first one and in this one since it's what was the oh you know what shit what was the name of the candy man in this one sherman sherman was it sherman yeah okay so yeah and we see that because he was you know you know uh a victim of that injustice and so i could totally see how he's a vengeful spirit in this one and more so like tied but is he strictly vengeful? <laughs> like, like I, w- I would assume. I mean, in your no. perspective, like I'm you're saying, really a handicapped dude giving candy. I mean, granted, he's he's probably not mentally all there. Well, Definitely it's just kind of, like of weird, fucking... though. That I mean, I don't know. I can give it an out because it's like, why is he just like the 
other ones. Why is he specifically killing everyone around Anthony? Is it because he just reignited the Candyman story? So that just so happens that the people around him that reignited it are all saying it. But he also said it. But he's not slated to die. He's slated to become the heir. Like why? Well, why? You know, I because I think that William Burke. Because they kind of do that little cult following of the Candyman. That's where it starts to get confusing, and that's where a lot of the hate is coming from right now is with the ending. Because Real, yeah, yeah, oh, you did. William Burke was awesome as a character. I but you definitely him. really confused the audience. Yes, but I feel like that was on purpose. Mm, it it's it was such a one eighty two though because it's like. Mm-hmm. This guy was almost being like friendly the whole time, explaining the story, tells him basically stay away from Candyman, and then now wants goes complete batshit insane and wants to resurrect Candyman and saws his arm off, which was gruesome. But I kind of I kind of like that though because it kind of conveys how essentially uh, William Burke was you know masterminding the whole really, events though. of like Anthony. From the get go, because I could totally see not like really, the deception because he it. does say something specifically to him, like, "Oh, you don't want to know about Candyman or something like that." Yeah, but when you say that to someone, they're gonna want to know. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Like, I, mean, I say pick I'm one give or the, the other. Credit for that, though. I say pick one. But or I, the w- other. I will admit, though, it was a pretty crazy jump. Well, you but don't again, need like, that all in the same like ten minute sequence of him doing this Candyman, and then, well, I guess he does call the cops, and then the cops shoot him and kill him. But like, you know. Why is he so attached to the idea of Candyman? Well, because I feel like it's guilt. And like he just kind of, with that guilt, killing an innocent man drove him mad. And we don't know. Didn't... What do you mean killing called? an innocent man? I thought in the movie, William Burke said that Candyman spoke to him, though. Well, he saw him in the laundry room. No, he just wants to recreate him. He wants the legend. He says, like, they basically need a new Candyman. It's his whole... His motivations are all mm. whack. Like... Okay. All right. Now I okay. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down now with like why everyone's. Complaining I don't about hate it. if they would have gone that direction, but it's all kind of. They just smashed. need to explain it a little bit more. And apparently, okay. I'll talk later about like kind of the rewrites, but um, and they had screenings that like they edited, and a lot of people are thinking it it, it was from the editing because it just jumps, you know. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Regardless, although I like William Burke's character and kind of that sort of plot twist 180 yeah no it, it is so fast like yeah, that was your biggest criticism i remember after the movie you're like what was it that ending yeah well because yeah no definitely because i was just because to be fair and again i don't know why like and i don't want to be like oh this is just because of hindsight i called it but i also kind of had some weird ass vibes of william to begin with because i felt like he was going to somehow be because clearly he's going to be a character involved with the overall story because of Anthony meeting him. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, is William going to do like some kind of like crazy plot twist? Because thinking of it already, it's like, all right, Anthony is going to become the new Candyman. That's already kind of set concrete for me. And then I see William and I'm like, well, he interacted with the Candyman, supposedly the new Candyman, Sherman, that's going around killing people. So I feel like I, like, I was honestly 50-50. I'm like, is he going to help Brianna, or is he going to be some fucking psycho? And, you know, I mean, regardless, he did I was see, still kind of surprised. He did see um, his sister get killed by him and Sherman. But I guess the idea is, which makes sense, I guess, that, like, he knows the way to create Candyman is through this, like, injustice and that he says that pain like lasts a lifetime. That's that's what mm-hmm. creates Candyman. So he's trying to create that pain 
by having the cops come because he fakes the phone call or he calls him and says, the guy with the hook is here. So he's trying to literally set him up as like, here he is. Here's the guy who's been killing everyone. Yo, just shoot him. It's kind of a stretch that they were just coming blasting and he knows that. But I don't know. I'm like 50-50 on it. Yeah, I definitely covering that ending, dude. It, because again, like, I mean, obviously we didn't have a timestamp for how long like the climax was, but like as soon as we get that whole sequence of like Brianna getting kidnapped, they're at the church. Anthony gets his arm sawed off. She escapes, kills William. Anthony comes in. Cop then ha- they have this really at first kind of like confusing shot of her just being on the ground like uh caressing Anthony. And that was good Because you're like, what's going on? You thought she shot Yeah. I, d- I dead ass fucking thought There's that the no cop noise. just shot her. It's completely silent. Like they took out yeah, all the noise. Dude legit, like at first I'm like, there's no fucking way you're gonna Because to be honest, um I'll be real. Watching this movie, there was definitely a a lot more of kind of pushing forward this um now I gotta be careful with my words because it's not harmful but definitely hmm, they kept pushing down this kind of idea between like white on black violence and like you know white people I mean which, to be fair it's true you know like yeah, the history between the, the two yeah, very relevant with time, but definitely when they kind of pushed that forward, which was all right, but then that ending, I thought they were full sending that whole message they were saying throughout the movie and just letting this fucking cop shoot her when, you know, it, it, like she was literally on the ground doing nothing wrong. I was like, dude, they're like... It almost would have no, worked no. better in the 90s, but like now... Well, because I was just going to say that's so unrealistic. Well, yeah, for him to literally speaking. know if I put a hook on this guy then the cops will come in and shoot him. Even if he's defenseless laying on the ground, like basically dying, bleeding out, the cops will just come in and shoot him. Yeah. You know, some people might say we're ridiculous for saying that's unbelievable, but I really think it is. Yeah, I mean, if he was doing... Well, because... Well, here's the thing, though. Um, What she saw wasn't what the cops saw. Like, when he came in, he saw... Anthony holding the hook up to her head, about to like slash down. But he was. That's what they down. said. Oh no! I'm sure they said that because they're trying to get her to like agree with the story. Well, no, because uh, how would they be able to shoot Anthony when he's already on the ground? Because that's that's the whole point of it. That's what they said. He she's he's like laying in her arms. Well, no, because notice how when they shoot the gun and, like, she freaks out and covers her ears, Anthony isn't near her. She's no longer on his lap. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, because that's when I was so confused because when she freaks out, I'm like, oh, did she let go of Anthony? But he's nowhere there in the scene, and she just grabs her ears and covers it. And that's why when they take her and pick her up, he's, no, he's like, not in the room. He's, like, on the ground away from her where we first see Anthony when he, like, catches up with her after she kills William. What? Yeah. Are you sure, dude? Yeah, no, it's confusing. It's really confusing to watch your first time. I've seen it twice now. I didn't see that. Yeah, you don't remember that? Yeah, because 
right before the cop comes in, she's like holding Anthony, and it's the same. It's the same shot, and she's like caressing, like, "Oh no, it's gonna be okay. You're fine. You're fine." And then he comes in, he shoots, like it's silent, like literally silent, and then she like covers her ears, starts screaming, but he's not on her lap. We don't see below her stomach. But he's he's above her stomach though in the shot. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, but, either way. But anyway, but what you were yeah, either way, what you were saying though, because immediately after that, after that kind of fake out, immediately they get in the car, they handcuff her, and then the fucking cop is like, you know, we could say that. Uh, I I don't know the quote for quote, but he's like, yeah, we can yeah. say that he came at you with a hook and we shot him to defend you. Or, or that you're an accomplice. You know, we can put you against all this. Which any lawyer would <laughs> tear that apart. <laughs> you know, that they're both, that she's the accomplice helping her. Yeah. You know, helping him basically chop, chop people up. And then they still had to come in and shoot him. Because then she would be safe <laughs> in that case. So they wouldn't have to shoot him. Yeah. But he was so. saying they were attacking him. I don't know. Yeah. That yeah either way. Because again, dude, the ending, is, it is really confusing. But I mean... That's where I said earlier, too, that th- this is definitely f- a lot more psychological than the other movies have been. You know what's crazy, too, on the second watch? Talk about prophecy, mm. dude. When Anthony <laughs> comes to the um, Cabrini Green, the abandoned street, like the row houses, mm-hmm. um, he looks to like his left, and the gun flashes go off. And it's before he goes in or anything. But I know what you're talking before about. Before it happens, I'm like, Because I found that super fucking weird. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, wow, that's really. Not only was it a crazy cool shot, but it's like really subtle. I I don't think I saw it the first time, but and it really goes with that prophecy angle. Damn, yeah, because yeah, now I'm thinking about it. You kind of think that that's just like the whole Candyman effect of him seeing like the past in quotes, but no, yeah, that's like fucking legit prophecy. And that's Holy before shit. Brianna was even grabbed by Burke. Oh, yeah, way before, like, when he's looking for inspiration, like, I think right after he got stung by a bee or right before? No, this is, no, wait, it's closer to the end. Um, Closer to the, okay, so that's like, oh, oh, no, 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 okay, now I got you. Yeah, it's like literally after he meets his mother. Yeah, but still. Okay. It's like, what? Yeah, no, wow. I was like, that's pretty cool. Okay, damn, I, shit, I I didn't even put that together till now. Um, what's with the bee though, since you mentioned that <laughs> the bee? Yeah. Okay. So I actually, I, I wanted to ask you that too. So what did you think about that whole like transformation? Did you think that like, and I, and I, I'm going to word it like this. Did you think it was fair? It, it didn't really feel like he had, and I guess it goes more towards prophecy. Like he, he really was defenseless against it. Like he couldn't have changed it as much as he tried. Yeah. It's like some spreading necrotic. I mean, I'm almost wondering I mean, they made it look like honeycomb and be like, but I'm wondering if it is the prophecy mm-hmm. of like his flesh is literally dead, like he's going to die. Damn, yeah, that, that's a good way. I kind of thought of honeycombs and shit, but definitely, dude. Um, I got like tusk vibes <laughs> tusk. from that. Just that that hopelessness. Oh yeah. Like when it, when it started going down and his arms started getting worse, like that's when it sealed the deal for me. I'm like, it's a little ridiculous though, that he doesn't even think about it. Like, yep, it's just spreading up my entire face now. Like not once does he be like, I got to get this checked out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's only until he has that episode and passes out. But like, to be fair, um, I do kind of like a little bit how he just ignores it because it shows how like obsessed he is with Candyman. 
Yes, but to the point of not getting something like that looks like nothing you've ever seen before growing on your skin, like dying. Yeah, you but could still I be obsessed with plays... Oh, he does go to the hospital though, actually. So well, yeah, my I mean, bad. after he like wakes up when when Brianna basically kicks him out of the house after she finds out all the fucked up paintings he's been drawing. He wakes up with broken glass on his arm and like he pulls out his fingernail or something. Yeah, the glass shard. That was Practical effects. That was that was nice. Yeah, but the CGI wasn't so nice on some of them. Like, no. yeah, no, you no, and I no, both no, looked many. at each other when he does the looking in the mirror, and it's Sherman. Yeah, that was bad, dude. I don't know. You could have totally done that with practical effects. It's I don't know why they didn't say. Yeah, I don't know, but it's also saying like. There's something there that, like, whether it's you're going to be the next Candyman or he literally is Candyman already in the sense that he's, like, the vessel. I think it's more that symbolic of, like, you're going to become Candyman. But why is it Sherman? Because he's the current one right now. <laughs> because Daniel Robitaille is, like, technically forgotten. Because Sherman has become But it's just legend. interesting. Like, they're trying to almost imply, obviously not say it, but trying to imply that, like, he's kind of doing the killings because every time someone gets killed... He keeps provoking people to call their name. That, yeah. He provokes the yeah. critic. He's there when the critic dies, but like just happens to walk out. He like wakes up after mm. the um, the art director, and every time there's a murder, he like wakes up. Like That's what happened with the girls in the bathroom. And it's almost like he's like... He's somehow already involved it's like you could see it almost yeah it's like we were seeing his perspective of like how these people are dying and he's fascinated by it because after the art guy dies which he definitely didn't like him but still he's like tuned in watching the news and he's like happy he's like yeah say it yeah, so no it, it was definitely weird because i i don't know whether or not it was well more or less it had to be because like almost falling into that pit of insanity where like his total like regards for anyone was just super fucking low. Like he didn't care. And again, I think that just plays into how hexed he was of Candyman. Like weirdly enough, I, I don't think it would, it's, it's obviously not possession, but it's more so like Candyman just took over like his, his like mind. Like he was so obsessed. I think he was already definitely transforming after the beast thing, everything after that, it was all far the murders. more than like, a physical transformation. It was definitely a mental one too. Yeah. And he was I probably at least dreaming it or seeing the murders as they all mm -hmm. happen. Cause that's after the beast thing is literally as he's, it's like signifying how he's slowly more becoming Candyman, And that's why he's always there or around while the murders are happening. That's my take mm -hmm. though. Yeah. Did you, I mean, but overall, did you like that kind of concept in play? With the slowly but surely, like, kind of melting almost, decaying. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the bee sting thing was kind of unnecessary, but I don't not like it. Like, it adds something. Yeah, I I think for me, um, it really, it kind of nailed the hopelessness of Anthony's fate. And, like, I guess it, it just, it really does emphasize prophecy in this. So, I mean, I respect it for as much as I personally was just really kind of bummed out. I was like, fuck, like, there's no, dude, there's no hope for you, man. Like, you're fucking done. And, like, that happened super early on in the film, too, so. Yeah. 
No, the whole prophecy thing, after we had such a long conversation about it on the first one, that's why I really appreciate it, especially because I think we had that prophecy conversation after we saw the first one. So Mm -hmm. when I watched it for the second time, I was like really picking that up and loving it. Yeah, Um, no, I mean, it's a good theme for Candyman. I do like some, like I really like a lot of the homages they gave to the first one. Uh, There's actually a lot of Helen Lyle in terms of yeah. references and um, the puppet show was super cool <laughs> every time. Yeah. No, I like, it was artsy. It was very artsy. Yeah. It was unique and like kind of dark nice. too. Yeah. Cause they're like weird, like skinny figures. Mm-hmm. Very, um, uh, damn, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, remember the specific artist, but definitely inspired off of a certain art style. Well, the brother Troy, I did like too. It made me laugh when he was telling the story <laughs> and he says, uh, you know, she beheaded a Rottweiler and then she was found by the police doing snow angels in the blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, what did you think about, uh, the couple Troy and his boyfriend? Only Troy specifically. I just really didn't like, um, you didn't like Troy. No, like I get Joe some comic relief mm-hmm. every once in a while, but he served no purpose yeah. to me. This movie definitely threw in a lot more comedy. And it, that's the problem with, I think, anything Jordan Peele is going to produce or anything horror-wise. They're going to try to do Get Out because Get Out was really funny, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they might... But I felt like definitely Get Out, it, it, it was really well-paced with its kind of comedy a little bit. Yeah. It's just like that, but, that Detroit literally served no purpose to me, I, I don't think. Yeah, he told that one yeah. story in the beginning. Yeah, not to say that I didn't like the character, but I, I didn't... Well... I was going to say, yeah, Troy's character was definitely for comic relief. And he was kind of like the real one. Kind of like uh, rea- like reality checking the whole kind of situation about like everything going on with like the whole myth, like the first movie, and then covering over what's going on with the second, or I guess this one right now. But it felt weird that he was just kind of there and then gone. Uh, I like, think so. he really didn't have any over, like, he didn't have really any impactful uh, emphasis on the story other than just kind of, like, talking to Brianna. I think that's the whole Jordan Peele aspect of it. Aspect of it, that they're kind of beholden to have some comedy. But think how much, honestly, better I think it would be. And the first one is so unique in the sense that I don't think it really had any jokes, honestly. If anything, it was, like, subtle humor. Very subtle, like yeah, like uh, like stuff that you would only kind of chuckle at that, like you understood. Yeah, I feel like this movie would be that much better if they just didn't have any of that. If you really had to sit in it, like sit in the drama and the suspense and like the dread, mm-hmm. it's a more it's a bolder choice to not have any jokes. I would have liked that more. Yeah, or have like, it be more dynamic. To be fair, a lot of the like comedic relief. It was mostly missed for me personally. There was like one or two hits that made me chuckle, but definitely yeah. it just felt really weirdly timed. That's especially when we're like in the middle of like Anthony like literally fucking melting away and we cut back to Troy and like he's just kind of doing his whole bit and I'm like, "All right, like granted, yeah, he's roasting I, him." Yeah, no, it's not a roast. Yeah, he's like, get that fee five fo fum out of here, like telling Ooh. her all that. You don't remember that? Oh, oh, oh! I thought you were saying I was roasting. No, Tyler no, and Troy was, was going hard on Anthony. Yeah, 
dude, I mean, I'll be real. Like, Troy didn't see it, but fucking Anthony is jacked, dude. No, he did Ripped say it. He said, you need to stop trips. painting. <laughs> stop lifting weights and start painting more or something. Yeah, well, he only saw the bicep, bro. He did not see the fucking pack on him. Yeah, he was yoked. But also, you know what they threw in there? <laughs> it's so unnecessary. Is that Brianna's dad killed herself? Yeah. Okay, so let's get into some of the weird shit that had no impact to the story at all. That was the biggest all. one, I feel Besides like. Besides Troy saying, you need to stop trying to feel responsible for these like tortured artists. That's it. And he's like, we yeah, need to go get his paintings. So it's super like... Super fucking weird. Like, what... So unnecessary, like almost fill in time or something, but it doesn't even take that much time. Yeah, I don't know. I I would feel bad if it's like trying to reference something, like as a little bit of a call out. I think it's just an easy way else. to say, like, oh, see, this character is complex too, and she has her own demons, and that ties to that. Like, but it's so mm. quickly hodgepodged in there. Yeah, like I, to be honest. uh I, I didn't see any relevance to it, like, at all. I almost wonder like, if that I, was I left over. The dots, and I feel bad because I feel like there might be subtle dots out there. But personally, from what I just saw, it's like, hey, sweetie, you know Daddy can fly? Yeah. And as, as soon as he said that, I'm like, dude, he's going to fucking hello? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Well, she like, said, yeah, fly, Daddy, fly. Yeah. <laughs> He better have done a fucking backflip though, going off. That would have been sick. I just like, but yeah, that that whole thing. See, what would have been really cool is that if, like, in the attic, you saw paintings of Candyman. But you already or, like, have something connected. You already have so much connections. Wait, I mean, because you find out anybody who doesn't see it coming, but you find out, you know, Anthony is tied to. Uh, Candyman, he's the original baby, and you have uh, William Burke, who like saw his sister get killed, which even that is thrown in there, because he's already tied to seeing the Candyman in Cabrini Green. So you already have all these connections. That one, just <laughs> there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, see, she's connected, I guess? Just because I don't even think they're trying to make connections. I think it's literally in there to be like, to give her some kind of backstory. She's complex, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, like, to be fair... I feel like that did more harm than good because without that, really, Brianna would probably be a little bit of a more like, like precise character, more focused. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you throw in that dad suicide thing, now you're just kind of like, okay, okay. Oh, the but, dad like, suicide really trope. Seen that one a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that was yeah, definitely a time filler. Yeah, I don't get it, but. The funny part is, like I said, it didn't really fill any time. It filled like maybe 30 seconds. But maybe that was part of it because, like I said, the the initial script and movie was much longer, so maybe there was something mm-hmm. there. And I was going to say, uh, and I just might be fucking zonking out, but was Purcell in this movie? No. He was not? Okay. Because who was at the dinner? It was that one, like, representative uh, for, like, the art exhibit or something oh, like yeah. that. And then that dude with the really long white hair. Unless they named him as Purcell. I don't think they'd be that bold, though, because technically he dies in the second. Yeah. Even though they're not trying to reference the second or third one. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, really. The only kind of... Mm, I was going to say the only, like, recurring character from the first would be Tony Todd and then Helen and then Anne-Marie and Anthony, yeah. of course, but... Tony Todd, I feel like they kind of did him dirty. A little bit. I mean, it was I'm so cool to see it. I mean, that was as cheesy as it is. That was one of my favorite parts. At the end, by yeah, far, no, just him specifically. So at least they included him. him but I'm making like, that return was definitely, definitely. You, cool. They include so much of Sherman, which we have no ties to. He's really not that. The only somewhat creepy scene with him. He's just kind of a weirdo. The only creepy scene with him is with the sister flashback with William Burke's sister dying in the bathtub, and he like kind of pulls back the curtain, and he's like bloody. Mm-hmm. But besides that, it's like you couldn't have given us a little bit more Tony Todd if Candyman really is all these different people. Yeah, kind of a bummer. It, it was a shame, and like to be honest, though, like I feel like. It's not the best you could have done, but honestly, the way that they were going, if you were to try to implement Tony Todd, it would just kind of do him a little bit of a disservice because you would be splitting the attention between him and then Sherman. I think that makes it scarier in a sense, like creepier, like, but can yeah, only like, one fair, exist at a time? a little time? bit confusing. Like, can I talk about how confusing, like, the whole new implemented lore is? Because even though, so... Candyman is more now, he is a, he's like an idea, right? Is that the whole theme that they're going with? He's like he's a the pain. Idea. He's, a, he's a pain from injustice that happens. Okay, so like the manifestation of pain and injustice. That happened to one specific it, person, yeah. But also overall. Yeah, but then happened to another, and it's like, okay. But then that would so, mean that there's multiple Candymans at a time then. Yeah, and like, okay, and like here's the thing too, because... Obviously, I know that because they kind of had that build up with Sherman. They were saying that he was already the Candyman, um, because he had a hook for hand and stuff, which is kind of weird. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, that is weird because why is he? It's just a crazy coincidence that the original Candyman yeah. myth happens to the Candyman guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> super weird. Because like. This starts falling apart they, as we start pulling at strings. <laughs> yeah, well, because here, but here's the thing: I'm not gonna give the movie credit, but I'm saying if they did this, um, if weirdly enough, if Sherman was kind of like that prophesized child, like Anthony. Oh well, no, because that okay. I get what you're saying. That's why he was so into the candy. Yeah, he was so crazy. Wow, but that's then, giving him a lot. I like your thought process, but that's you're giving yeah, him a no, lot. Yeah, right. You're being but it, very I mean, to generous. Be fair, it's so much easier to say what they could have done rather than doing it because they had so much work on their hands. But I will say that I'm. You know what? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real on this one, Jordan. I'm, I'm about to spit. All right, spit facts, bro. So they they did something that Candyman Two kind of did a little bit. A few and three, I think. I was trying to think. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. So they kind of, in a sense. If Anthony was that prophesized child, I'm I'm assuming that the ending of the first one was stomping out the myth of Candyman because they thought Helen did it. Yeah, that the she mom went says insane. That. And she, she says we the made quote a pact. Candyman killer. She says we made a pact to never bring it up again, and someone must have broken the pact. 
Someone must. So what was that? William Burke. Probably. Yeah. Or just the well, I guess Troy too. Troy, 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 <laughs> Troy the character I dislike the most. He started it because he brought it up, and that's what gets him interested and goes to meet William Burke. Fucking Troy, dude. I knew <laughs> I didn't like him. Well, but, but he, okay, so like here's the thing, though. So what I'm getting to for like the second one, Farewell to the Flesh, when Sherman... Okay, so essentially, obviously, Candyman's legend is dead, but he isn't technically dead, just irrelevant to be summoned again. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, not, he's not on the uh, lineup this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on the summoning line. So Sherman, coincidentally enough, is the Candyman. Not the Candyman killer, but just the Candyman. He dies, gets reincarnated as this new Candyman. Wait, but he has a hook so, for a hand. Yeah, I don't know. Just They could have just <laughs> been like, yeah, he was a he was a World War II vet. Yeah, I they could have done something like that. I don't fucking know. But regardless, yeah. So he was the coincidental Candyman. He died. He became the new Candyman. So the legend got brought back up because there was Candyman killings during William Burke when he was a kid. And, like, can we actually just talk about how fast that was? How fast Sherman just started killing random people? Because he killed William Burke's sister, like, not even, like, what? Like, a week after he died and got reincarnated? <laughs> we don't know the exact time frame. Yeah, but he's still young. Like he's still a kid. He's like the same age oh, in true. that flashback. Right. So like it must have been relative. I granted, farthest I'd say is like a year. But like, why doesn't Sherman then pursue Anthony? It's not like he doesn't know where he is. Right. Like, why do they wait for it's Anthony prophecy, to dude. kind well, of Well, that's get... that's the bad angle of prophecy is that you can answer it all if you want with yeah. prophecy. Like, oh, it's prophecy because then he wouldn't bring about the new Candyman twenty five years later. You know. And and then here's the thing too, and I'm 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 guessing the reason why when you say Candyman five times and Tony Todd isn't there with Sherman is because I think the myth was replaced by Sherman's. You can't do that legend because what about the OG? Why did they? Why did he get summoned by Candyman? At the end. No, like the original. Wait, what? Why would Tony Todd ever get summoned by Candyman if? Sherman's myth replaced it. It would be Sherman getting summoned, and they do it. Ni- are you talking about? They do it. Nineteen seventy six. After are you talking about the ending when he shows up? No, no. I'm saying, yeah. Sherman's Why myth would, of Candyman, yeah. meaning the guy with the candy man. Yeah, the Candyman, the literal Candyman. He's not, not the, the reason man. why it's called Candyman. Yeah, I know he's not the reason, but what I'm saying, and I'm kind of giving this movie credit because they really kind of don't explain it all too much, which, I mean, to be fair, it does need to be explained, but still, it's like his legend overlaps the old legend, but then that's kind of bending the rules a little bit because, what, if you just say Candyman five times, but you're not thinking of the Candyman, like Tony Todd, it's like, is he not going to show up then? Because, like, oh, like, it's whatever say, story say, like, you hear example, first. Like, Huh? Are you saying it's whatever story you hear about the myth? Yeah, like is it is it what you is is the is the Candyman effect based upon what you know and what you quote unquote believe? Because what if deadass like say Jordan, you knew the Candyman story, the Tony Todd story, and I didn't. You tell me to say Candyman five times in a mirror, and I say Candyman five Who times in a mirror. Up? 
I think would neither of them show up I think because they, take they don't turns. know the story. They're like, oh, we got a we got a Lucy, and the, the Lucys <laughs> like, are just they kind of just roll dice, see who can. Yeah, the the Lucys are just the people who didn't you know hear either story, so they trade off on those because that's too much work for one person to handle all of those people, you know. What killing? <laughs> and you, you have okay. to say Candyman five times because there's five different Candyman. So now that Tony's back, it's gonna you have to say Candyman six times. Ooh, okay. Or throwing something. Yeah. But yeah, so then that that's kind of like interesting a little bit. I like it. I like your, that thought process. We're giving them a lot. Yeah, but it's definitely it's it's good. It's like food for thought. It creates wiggle room for fan theories, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just thinking too that like well Okay, wait, now hold on though. Okay, so Anthony heard of Sherman's story, right? Not the original story. I thought um, Troy told him about the original, like Helen going crazy. You're right. So, so but that just actually that out. But actually, did Troy ever mention the original Candyman, Daniel Robitaille? Uh, well, but story? Helen, did they ever talk about that? I think if they so. didn't, it would make sense then that Sherman is the Candyman. No, I think because, he does. No, because we talk about the Rottweiler head cut off. But they talk about Helen being obsessed with the Candyman. Well, no, no, because what's his name? Wait a minute. Yeah, is that a little... William Burke says it. I could just be it. stupid, but is, William is Burke that like says, a little bit of a plot hole? William Burke says when he meets him, he asks about Helen Lyle. He's like, oh, you know, we die all the time. One white lady dies. Everybody wants to know who it is. And he's like, well, who mm. is Candyman? He's like... It, Candyman for me is Sherman, and he tells him that story. Ah, uh, but then he also okay. talks about Daniel Robitaille. He tells them both in the oh, same. He does scene. talk about Daniel Robitaille yeah. being the original. Yeah. So. Well, okay. <laughs> so then, why? Yeah. All right. Not. I mean, it's not confusing. It's just now I'm thinking, if you know both stories of Candyman. Well, that's that's why it's a little bit shaky ground because yeah. I love that they kept it simple for so long. They kept it really simple mm-hmm. for most of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they started adding these little elements to it that makes it more confusing than it needed to be. Overall, they did good with trying to keep it simple, easy. And I think if you're just watching and you're not that invested, like you're not breaking it down like us... Um, I think people yeah, are a little. I think hurt. I'm just overthinking a lot of this. No, stuff. no, it's fine. That's what we're here to do, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, <laughs> if you're going in there and not really trying to break it down to the extent we are, and then you have that ending after watching the whole rest of the movie, mm. you're a little bit upset because you're like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah. Like you're just kind of yeah. basically confused. Because um, yeah, kind of saying it out loud, it's really kind of cool. The whole the whole Sherman idea, because I, again, I I do kind of like the idea of different Candyman because it does emphasize a little bit of what Candyman was spitting in the first one where he was trying to tempt Helen into becoming, you know, be with me, become a legend. So I almost feel like really, they should have used huh? that as the twist at the end though. Somehow. Cause we know that the whole movie, well, basically we know that Candyman is multiple people and stuff. So you're thinking about the whole mm-hmm. time and it's just like, I, that could have been more of a twist somehow, I feel like. It's weird how it wasn't Tony Todd trying to like sway Anthony into becoming Candyman. Because he's directly it tied to Sherman. him. 
What? He's directly tied to him. Like, they have a history. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, speaking of prophecy, like, yeah. If you're going to go with the Anthony story, you have to have Tony Todd. But here's the thing. Is yeah. Tony Todd a shapeshifter, basically? That's what it is. That's, yeah. So I think what, to be fair, what this movie does, it, it puts a literal census to what he's saying to Helen a little bit, where he's like, join me and together we will become immortalized in myth and legend and like. Yeah, so Candyman is Tony Todd, and he's um, operating through different vessels that will carry on the myth because they're a bigger story. You Mm -hmm. know, because that Sherman thing was probably such a big story in Cabrini Green that he seized onto that and personified himself as Sherman to keep the legend going. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Because he says, tell you know, everyone at the end. That's his last line, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's Tony Todd. I really know, like I that. I will say it's not a big thing, but I am a little bit bummed out that we didn't get an actual Helen cameo. I know. But, again, I it is really, 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 really fucking just nice now thinking about the bigger picture of Candyman and like his abilities of like like literally taking these narrative vessels to like spread his legend even though it's not directly his it's still the idea of Candyman yeah so he has all these different you know forms all these different legends tying to the same exact origin like the the root of everything the root of all that injustice I almost feel like it might be intentional that they had Tony Todd say that at the end. Because that was my yeah, feeling. I, I completely forgot about that. That was legit my feeling right after that happened. I was like, oh, it was Tony Todd the whole time. Sort of, yeah. Which is cool, and I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, again, d- d- this movie, it-, it does have a lot of thought put into it, a lot of respect and a lot of effort. That That's needless to say, but like... And that, that brings me back to the original because you and I, we had so many mm-hmm. conversations like this in the first episode. That's why it's three hours long. Yeah. And this movie's doing the same one. The second one, third one, we're us just like pulling apart all the plot holes. This is yeah. much different. This is, a, this is really enjoyable. I mean, I love yelling at stinky little movies but like yeah no when there's like a message and narrative behind it dude it's so engaging it's so unique it really brought yeah, life back real. to it which was something that was dead in the water and, and I'll, I'll tell you what jordan if if i had the ability to go back in time i would slap my fucking on the fence ass silly can't believe i fucking felt 50 50 about this movie after watching it because <laughs> like just just talking about it dude it's fucking therapeutic I, I'm just liking this movie a lot more now that we're just talking about it. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, no, it's it, it's nice. Um, no, I, I definitely. Would you consider this like a worthy successor to the first? For sure. All right, I'm glad we think the same. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, <laughs> granted, after experiencing the second and third, almost anything. I don't even think you have to good. see the first one to appreciate this. this. Is a good horror movie. This is a good horror movie. Like, in the artistic sense. Like, this is a good movie. And again, like the first, there's not many kills. Well, you know what? Actually, There's a lot more than the first. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a lot more in the first. But I will say, 
excluding the ending for now, there weren't as well not weren't as many kills, but there weren't many kills in this. I don't I can know. Only There's a lot more than the first three, thing. You, you got four. Clive and his girl. You got the yeah, art critic. Two. You got the four college girls. That's oh, six shit. right yeah, there. I'm fucking stupid. You I got uh, that, Burke's yeah. sister. That's seven. You got Sherman. You can count that as eight. Um, mm-hmm. You got Anthony, of course, nine. You got Burke. And then you got William. It's ten, yeah. And then, then you got the, like, however, two or three cops. You know, so there's like 13, basically. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, fuck. All right. You know what? I'm not going to take back what I said, but still, I feel like, <laughs> you know what? I just might have been in the mindset of they were really well-paced, like, oh, they were spaced away from each other. I feel like I found, this is totally off topic, my bad, but I just saw this yeah, note. Yeah, no, you're good. Because <laughs> um, I was taking notes in the movie theater, trying not to be obnoxious, but trying to take notes the whole time, and I feel like I found an Easter egg that I didn't notice the first time. Oh. When, um, I haven't seen anybody list this, so I might be wrong, or just nobody picked up on it. But you see a painting, uh, like a spray paint, when Anthony first goes to the Karini Green Row Houses when he goes in that house. And it looks like a shitty kind of Candyman drawing. I don't know if you remember that. You're talking about the uh, the like weird sketch or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really think, even though it looks familiar, I don't know if that's a callback to the first one, but it looks like the inspiration of The Forbidden. Uh, that oh, Candyman. That's what it looked like to me. Okay. And I'm like, wow, that's a deep cut. I think she did her research. Damn. Okay. Now, if th- yo, that is super fucking dope. If that, I feel like, you know what? I feel like you're onto something. Jordan. I feel yeah, like no, it. Because it, it didn't look too much like the Candyman we know. No, it didn't at all. And like, yeah, so. It looked like the scraggly okay. kind of homeless looking guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Also... I t- they did have a an homage to Clive Barker by calling the art director guy Clive. Mm. I mean, I feel like that was blatant what that was, but they made him the mm. biggest douche in the world. I'm like, oh, you don't give Clive Barker yeah. that one. <laughs> Pretty fucking bad. Yeah, that should have been like William Burks or something. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. not the super douche art director who was like cartoonishly douchey. Um, anything else we want to talk about with the movie part of it? Uh, I mean, I feel like we touched all bases with what we liked, what we found confusing and what we didn't. I, I mean, overall, I'm pretty well-rounded with what I had to say. If you got anything else to add to it. I think I'm pretty good. I mean, it, it feels good that we finally got to talk about it. We honestly haven't even talked about yes. it since watching it. Dude, <laughs> so fucking nice. We got to talk about a really good movie now. Oh, they did kind of set up a prequel, too, because you got William Bell. They keep referencing him. They don't talk about him at all, but he's a guy that was lynched in the 20s. Yeah. So, you know, we might get that uh, farewell to the flesh. <laughs> Maybe it's <Shit>. Hello Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello Fresh Flesh. So, yeah, that's... All I got on that part. So, we're ready to get into some of the other uh, fun yeah, stuff. I'm, I'm some little tidbits the... for you. Yeah, tidbits. You are not content with the stories. So, I was obliged to come. Be my victim. All right. There's actually some good little, little stuff. Did you have anything you wanted to uh, talk about? Uh. 
oh, I, di- I did have one. I did have one tidbit, and I don't know if you've written it down or not, but did you actually know that because of the success, in quotes, of Freddy vs. Jason, did you know the next installment of Candyman, not Candyman 4, but the next Candyman movie was going to be Candyman vs. Leprechaun? I do remember that. Dude, I read that, and I I audibly shouted with so much fucking excitement. I was like, dude, that is so fucking silly. Obviously, Tony Todd fucking shot that shit down. He did not want to be a part of that. Yeah, and it wouldn't make sense. Leprechaun collab would be funny, but not with Candyman. You know what? It's weird. No collab works As fucking silly as that is, that's so not at all the right kind of universe. I mean, Freddy versus Jason is like, it could work. I could see that. Candyman almost needs like, he's like a Marvel movie in a sense. Like that's how like deep he could be like a villain, like, you know, with like a deep backstory and like a, you know, that's where I could see, you know, making sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. he's almost like he's got to fight a really philosophical, he's got to fight William Shakespeare or something. (laughs) He's, he's the least silly that's why you can't even call him a slasher because slasher there has to be yeah. silliness and he is the least silly he's not with that silly shit or that goofy shit no I feel like he could pretty much body whoever he fights now kind of weird though I mean it's not well dude Freddy's a pretty fucking goofy guy but I feel like out of thematically all of the powers and shit I feel like Freddy would be interesting because they're kind of both specters yeah I just don't know if he has that tit for tat that Freddy kind of is like the no. joking presence. Yeah, they definitely don't have good synergy with each other, not at all. But, but I, I wouldn't hate it. It'd be interesting for just like a off canny fight. I would like Leprechaun and Freddy. <laughs> dude, that would be fucking all. I mean, dude, Leprechaun's pretty fucking crazy. He's pretty fucking wild. Yeah, you need someone to match that comedic. Leprechaun in the hood. I mean, if he could survive in the hood, oh, maybe that's why. Because what, fu- what fucking horror villain could even stand up to him? I think there's two leprechauns in the hood. Like they made a one after that. There, too. Yeah, there is. Are there like five leprechaun movies and like a, Six, a reboot think. leprechaun? I th- oh, they made a reboot. I did not know that. Yeah, like a like a scare, like an actual scary one, like a like literally a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Really, kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's just called Leprechaun, and I think it came out in like 2013. Really, we might yeah, have to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we do that, we'll have to do the whole Leprechaun series, <laughs> which Dude, I'm not opposed I, to. Now, the Leprechaun series, whoo, that that's be. gonna, I'm down. Um, you know what? For one casting thing, I did think was interesting was that Lakeith Stanfield was gonna play. Um, Anthony, which I thought would have been, I would have actually probably, really? pre- I would have preferred that. I mean, he's not like jacked or he might be kind of tall, but that would have been super cool. You know, he's from, uh, well, he's in get out too. And I just love everything he's in. Yeah. I, he wow. plays Snoop, okay. Snoop Damn, Dogg. I, I didn't even think about that. Like as being a casting option. Yeah. That would, that would have been, really but cool, he turned actually, it down see him. for Judas and the black. Really? Messiah. He turned it down. Yeah. Do we know why? For Judas and the Black Messiah. The movie. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to... I have no problem with uh, the guy who played Anthony, but I really would have liked that. 
or at least I figured he'd be in here since it was a Jordan Peele movie, but oh well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, oh well. I did see this, which I did not recognize that, because we talked about the opening credits, how they were filmed from below instead of above this time. Mm-hmm. But also that the um, company cards that are filmed, like that are before, they're all backwards as, as if they were being looked at through a mirror. I was like, that's cool. Like, Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. All right. <laughs> Damn. Um, in terms of the numbers, like the record side of it, on the, on the uh, second day of its release, so the day we saw it, I think it was maybe I guess the 28th then, um, on that Friday, it dethroned Free Guy to be the top of the box office, and it made Mia DaCosta the first black female director as the holder of the box office record, like the number one. Damn, good. That's nice, dude. Yeah, pretty good. Good on her, dude. Um, the, Respect. She also said that the crew encountered a bee infestation during filming. Oh, my God. Don't, nice. don't have much more than that, but, you know, it was probably uh, like two bees. Well, yeah, wait. That I'm kind of thinking, were all the bees in this movie CGI? Um, I think so, that I saw. Damn. Interesting choice. Yeah. Especially with such a high budget. They did multiple floating Candyman shots. Yeah. Which was I don't kinda... know if I was a super big fan no, of that. No, not really. One was I fine. Mean, it's not Tony Todd, though, so Sherman's probably got his own kind of... He's got his own swag to him. I guess Tony Todd never really moves in the first one, does he? He just kind of teleports. Or he's standing. Yeah, he teleports and then he just walks. Very stoically. The CGI was a little clunky, even at the end when he did the floating thing mm-hmm. and coming over. Yeah. A little less of the CGI, a little more practical would have been cool, especially it's a Clive Barker movie, you know, or story. Mm-hmm. You got to go practical, like just as an homage. Yeah. But I don't think that's her forte, know, absolutely. which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, no harm done, just more or less kind of, oh, would have been a little bit, you know. Speaking of Clive Barker, too. They said that this is the first one without his involvement, which I had no idea. That means the second and third one, Clive Barker was involved? He was involved, yeah. Weird. I wonder to what extent. (laughs) Yeah. It it almost kind of... Because nothing I I looked up talks about... a weird image in my head. When we were looking up the research on the second and third ones, I never saw anything from Clive Barker... I saw a story by Clive Barker. Well, yeah, and I literally he gets story credit. I, for I just, this. I just thought they were talking about the original, the first one. Yeah, because he has the story credit on this one too, just because he is the original. Actually, Bernard mm-hmm. Rose does too for this one. It's characters yeah. by Bernard Rose. Um, so I just figured I would have seen something if. So I don't know how much I can rely on that fact. I don't know how involved he actually was with mm-hmm. the second and third one. Um, you do have another super weird though. You got a uh, homage from Burke. He's reading a copy of the novel Weave World by Clyde Barker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's pretty cool that uh, she made sure to have these like little Easter eggs. Um, The film uses the same Foley sound of the crying baby from the original film, which is awesome. Really? Yeah. Damn, okay. And... You know, I think that, well, this this is actually really interesting, too. This is the first Candyman film to be shot digitally. 
the preview, all three of the movies were shot with 35 millimeter. Oh shit! Yeah. What? Fuck. Oh my god. Yeah. No, because they were all 90s, like late 90s films. Yeah. Which I get it. Like she's a very young director, so that stuff probably mm-hmm. isn't her forte necessarily. But that would have been a really cool homage to shoot on film. But damn. Yeah. Okay. Huh. It. There's no point deduction, but yeah, I know. Wow. If this was shot traditional film. That would have, wow, I feel like that would have really made this movie feel a lot more like homage Yeah. That's even They went kind of create. They went hard on the digital a little bit, but, you know, because there was a lot of CGI, but I don't think it takes away that much. There's just a few moments where it kind of takes you out of it, especially the mirror scene. The mirror scene I really could have done without. I felt like, to be fair, that was probably... Not to say it was an awful scene, but it might have been the worst looking shot in this movie. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, I know CGI has come a long way, but it's just not there for it, at least for me personally, to not take me out of it and really just like, yeah, just take you out. Like The, the thing with CGI is that it's good, but you can't linger on it because no. then you just, you yeah, it's, it's, just, it's rough because then you start to see more and more like the whole kind of like facade of it looking real melts away quick yeah especially with like humans and faces that's where it's the most mm-hmm. obvious yeah um this is a really cool homage too um when Anne marie is telling anthony you know he's the baby that was you know kidnapped there's a visible scar close to the shoulder on her left arm and the scar is a callback to the original candy man when helen stabbed her with the uh, meat cleaver in self-defense. Oh, fuck. I was like, wow. Damn, oh my God, yeah. Impressive. She fucking did her homework. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I totally wow. believe her that she's into this movie. Damn, okay. Um, Tony Todd was digitally de-aged in that one scene. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I didn't want to be rude, but I could tell. Yeah. Um, could have done without that. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I get why they did it, but to be fair, it wouldn't necessarily be unimmersive to see him aged. You know, granted, he's a ghost. I think I just attributed it to the fact that it was CGI. That's why it didn't bother me, but it was still the Mm CGI-ness of him was very clear. It was very obvious, you know, that, (laughs) you know, again, you're doing close-ups with CGI on a face of someone people know very well um here's another thing it's kind of it's not that interesting but it is too that the it says it's the first film in the series to feature openly gay characters and an interracial couple cool but uh then after the sentence says creator clive barker is openly gay himself and was at one point in his life with photographer david armstrong i had no idea <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Granted, yeah, I've I never mean, read his books or anything, uh, even though I've wanted mm-hmm. to forever. But it's just funny to me that like I'm like, wow, it's like finding out someone's black or something and not knowing it. You're like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Like oh. right there with you. Like wow, I just had no idea. <laughs> crazy. Doesn't change it's anything. Awesome. It's just like wow. Okay. Uh, Why well, does? Hey, now I got a gay friend. Now I got a black friend. Yeah. It, Who knew? I mean his most iconic movies that I've all seen aren't like 
all gay couples or anything. Like it's not like the uh, I don't think it. Yeah, I mean, he, he just keeps it real. He makes what he wants. That's what I'm saying. It, it's not like the yeah. central part of his being or anything. Mm-hmm. So, well, one more thing about Helen too. Um, she, they had her as a voice role, and this is what I can't figure out because it sounds like they had her redo the audio tapes from the first one. A little bit. I know what you're talking about. That's what people are saying. To me, it sounded exactly like the first one. Well, we have the maids, which I like that. That that Mm -hmm. was the exact same audio because I've heard those clips a million times. But then, yeah, I think she re-recorded her parts. Like the first half of what she was saying in the recording. Yeah. A little bit. So they they clip a little bit of... uh New with the, some of the old. Yeah. Trying to maintain as much as they could. So uh, just I think one imp- really important thing we got to talk about too is just the original storyline because I do have something from an article because uh, she was supposed to be a central character in this one, which would make sense if it's a direct sequel to the first one. How do you not, you know, they skirt around it nicely, but, you know, if you're going to make a sequel – directly after the first one it has to involve Helen and that's why we were so pissed at the second mm-hmm. one because it's just like yeah that never happened basically yeah well like in a way how we were talking about earlier with just you know the the ideology of Candyman and like he is an idea he's a concept I guess similar with Helen um, she became like her own legend like she was independent from Candyman and I guess the only person that you know realistically would mourn Helen say her name five times like a jackass in the mirror that's probably the angle we would have went with you know because we know clearly that works after the ending of the first one I say Helen five times and to be fair she was only really a vengeful spirit to her fucking shitty husband well that's just the very beginning dude yeah. True. So in the first trailer released for Candyman, this new one, there's two shots of a women wearing Helen Lyle or her burial dress and flower wreath from the ending of the first one, sitting in the pews of a church, looking at Anthony McCoy and nodding. But these shots and character were deleted from the final version of the film. Yeah, I know a lot of movie trailers do that where they'll just... No, they completely redid it. No, that was that was what the original story was because... Oh, oh, the first... Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were saying the first official trailer for this. No, just the first trailer they released for the movie mm. because I have an article from Bloody Disgusting that said the original incar- incarnation of the Nia DaCosta movie was very different and prominently featured Helen Lyle as the film's main storytelling device. In the first drafts of the screenplay for Nia DaCosta's Candyman, Anthony McCoy calls on Helen the same way by reciting her name in a mirror five times. She becomes the mm. main, the film's main device to move along the story as McCoy investigates the mythology of Candyman. And they had, like, as of two years ago, they had Cassie Kramer was taking over the role of Helen Lyle in the new movie, Mm-hmm. And she, what she does, she is in this movie, just not as Helen. She's just like the librarian. That's like has a weird cameo where she's like basically turned on by Anthony. <laughs> That's who was going to play Helen. Yeah, uh, I, you know, 
uh, damn it, it's kind of similar to whole Candyman four, on how interesting that premise is. But I guess we'll never really see it. I would love it, but there is damn, the scenes were filmed, mm-hmm. and one's happening in the very first trailer. So I want to go back and watch that. And what you yeah, see, not, damn, I'm interested to check that out too. Then, yeah, in that footage, Cassie Kramer is uh, is a burned Helen Lyle, and witnessing birth of a new Candyman near the very end of the new film. And they just basically oh. took Helen from the sequence. Damn. Okay. So Fuck, she was literally in that scene where like tell everyone. Like the burned Helen Lyle was in there too. Oh, damn. Yeah. Dude. Which would have been awesome. That would have been fucking sick. That would be so fucking cool. Holy shit. Maybe they just thought it confused because there's so many new watchers. There's a whole yeah. new, at least one generation mm-hmm. of people that are going to see this movie without watching the other ones. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it kind of it would have been a cool homage because it would have got people more interested to look back and, you know, view the source material. Damn yeah! Oh my god, that dude, that would have that put a ghoulish grin on my face if we got that Helen cameo at the end. Yeah, just throw her in. Damn. I mean, the audio is nice, I guess, but man, compared to that, it's nothing. That would have definitely tied some knots. Yeah, the first one. That fuck, dude. Shit. I mean, I respect the ending still of this one, but damn, you're right. Just, just that thought, because so much of the context of our discussions are trying to frame it in the first one. But if they just throw that in there, then it's like, okay, so then you already have that answer. Like, okay, it's just continuing on the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes more sense. But yeah, you know, clarifies. Uh, apparently, there were also test early test screenings that had rumors of complaints that the film was too long and slow, and like the end, there. Thinking that because the end feels kind of rushed, if some of those scenes were removed, maybe involving Helen or something, there was more context in there. Maybe, yeah. Um, I was gonna. I to be fair, it's not really much of an argument because the first movie was it had no fluff in it. No fluff. So yeah, no fluff. It was just straight to the point. So really, yeah. Which is crazy. I guess that was a good criticism then. Yeah, but this is the shortest Candyman movie at an hour thirty-one. And that's with fluff, so... Yeah, that is kind of weird. A lot of fluff. I wouldn't say a lot, a lot. A lot, kind of. I mean, in the context of the first one, but... I'd say maybe, like, 15 minutes of fluff. That's a lot in an hour and a half. Oh, you don't know it? Yeah. I'm I'm just saying, time-wise, yeah, no, I I could see, like, the 15 minutes of that being cut out. I do like a good hour and a half, though, because it just hits hard. Yeah. Like, it's not dragging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's really hard, I feel like, to make an hour and a half movie, especially with so much history. Yeah, no, dude, it to be fair, just from like the little experience I have in taking college courses of like uh film, it's a lot harder trying to condense a story than it is to just extend a story. If you kinda get what I mean. Like when you have oh, yeah. time limits so much harder because then that means every scene counts and you got to make sure that everything that you're giving to the audience is important for the overall story. Yeah. So, and I really hope definitely an hour and 30, um, takes time. It takes a lot of effort. So I'm hoping that if those scenes really were shot, that there is a director's cut or something. Ooh, please. That would be awesome. Dude, get a fucking director's cut of that. Helen, 
Yeah, Sheen. and that's how you get everybody happy because then you didn't theatrically release it. Yeah. You confuse people, but you give everybody else what they really want too. That, dude, I would love that. That that You know, that makes me very excited for the director's cut if there's one to ever come. Well, it's Which about... I feel like there might. You ready for some uh, final thoughts there? Oh, yeah. But a story like that, a pain like that, lasts forever. That's Candyman. So, he's real. Candyman is how we deal with the fact that these things happened. That they're still happening. All right, final thoughts. Rating-wise, IMDb gives it a 6.4 so far. Pretty dang high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, tomatoometer, like the critics, give it an 84%. Audience, 73%. Both really high. Um, What are you thinking on the uh, rating there? Damn, you know, I'm going to say that it's a really, really, really good continuation of the first one. But, obviously, it's not as good as the original. And I think I gave... The original Candyman, 1992, I think I gave it a 7, right? I don't have the numbers on me. <laughs> Sounds right. I think I think I gave it a 7. I'm pretty sure I gave it a 7. I think I gave it an 8.9. Yeah, and I think what I'm going to rate this movie, I would probably do a 6.5 because the reason why it isn't as good as the original is that um, it did get very, very confusing and it felt very rushed. Uh, there was fluff in this. For it being the shortest Candyman movie, it, it had like about 15 to almost 20 minutes of just kind of filler. And not to say that that's entirely bad, but definitely derails a little bit of the overarching story and what they could have filled that in with, you know, explanation of what's going on to lead up to the ending. But the reason why I still think it's very, very good is because it's super respectful. It understands the material. It goes in a new... You know, I'm going to use the word, yeah, even though you don't think it... I think it goes in a new and clever direction of handling how to continue the story. And super beautiful... I would highly recommend you see the first before watching this. But nonetheless, if you're going to go into it blind, not really knowing anything about Candyman, I still think it's very, very enjoyable. Because cinematically, it's fantastic. The kills are very fucking good. And it's super enjoyable. Just simple as that. Very enjoyable sequel. Yeah. Um, You're very close to why I'm I'm giving it a 6.8. Damn, so close. <laughs> really close together. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I don't know, I had very mixed feelings like during the movie, after it, the second watch. And I think that's good because it's proves that it's unique and like you can't mm-hmm. not help but compare it to the first one naturally. Yeah. Especially because we like it so much. That's part of the problem. <laughs> uh, we like yeah. the first one so much and I agree it's super respectful and knows what it's talking about. 
I don't hate that Candyman can be multiple people. Um, I don't think it's clever, but I think uh, it works. That's honestly basically what I thought would happen going into it. It just makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we we pulled in a lot of strings today, so like I'm glad we did. Yeah, because you know it might have been skewed even higher, but yeah, I definitely agree. You have to see the first one um, to really appreciate it. But having said that, it's a great movie, and it's it's hard not to almost give it higher. Um, if I was to take the Candyman context out of it, just because of how impressive it is, like what it's gonna do for the horror genre, how unique it is to horror genre, how it's not really recreating anything that I've seen. So for all of that, I love it. And I don't mind that the kills were hidden because it's still like really like gruesome too in a weird way. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's super unique that it did that. That was super ballsy to do that. Um, I just hope it's not so great that every horror movie now feels like they have to do that too because then that'll be terrible. Uh, But yeah, mad respect for this movie. And uh, oh yeah, seeing it twice was good. Um, it's not a movie that I need to keep seeing over and over again necessarily, but uh, definitely watch it again. Obviously, um, do you think it needs a sequel or do you want a sequel? Oh gosh, I know it's a hard. So question. yeah, you know what? That <laughs> I think that's probably the most loaded question. <laughs> So far, out of every episode we've done so far, because honestly, you know, it definitely opens up a lot of doorways to different stories. You know, they could do a prequel, like how you said, uh, they could even do like a direct continuation. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, that's fuck, that's really hard for me to really give a yes or no to because would I like to see another movie? Yes, I would. I would like to see another one. But if I know it's going to have the a proper amount of time and dedication like Nia DaCosta did because you got to be really careful, dude. Yeah. You you really nailed it with this. So I'm sure that was nerve-wracking for her. <laughs> yeah, oh, especially dude. being such a big fan of it. I would be shocked if she wasn't scared. Yeah, that seems directing torturous. this movie because you had a lot on your plate, dude. And you know, I I think I'm gonna say that I would like to see a sequel, but I'm very cautious. Yeah, and the only reason, like, I don't think it needs one, but I would like to see another Candyman, and I trust whether it's her directing it or Jordan Peele doing the production side, finding another director, Mm -hmm. just based off of this, I trust them to do another one if they were so inclined. Yeah. Yeah. And I I should clarify, I would like another one, but I don't think that this one directly needs a sequel. Right. Because I I feel like it it wraps up everything. And if we get that director's cut, get more context to it, I think it'll be a really good just tie up. It's so crazy. And this is what Halloween definitely didn't do, the new remakes and what all these remakes are not mm. doing, is that somehow they kept it super respectful. They didn't come in here and just like blow the lid off and try to change all this stuff and try to, you know, do all this off the wall shit because it's been thirty years, so who yeah. cares? Kept it grounded. Kept it super grounded. Somehow kept it very in line with the original, but did a whole unique thing. That's crazy mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. No, it's that's really awesome to see. And, like, 
it sucks that not every single kind of mini boot of older series get that kind of respect or that kind of like expertise that like experts touch on it with trying to maintain a good like equilibrium of like the original and then what you want to do, what you want to pursue. Yeah. So, do you think this movie is uh, scary right now? Like, was it a scary movie? Um, I don't think I would call it scary. It's definitely dreadful because you see Anthony slowly fall apart and the kills are very gruesome. So I don't think it would be scary. I, I, I think it's very, yeah, grueling and dreadful. Yeah, that's a hard question for me to answer. Um, I think, yeah, the the dread, which is again with the first one. I honestly, you don't really see Candyman enough for some reason to make it seem scary. Um, you never really get a feel for who he is. Like you're not sitting with them in the first one, where he's like kind of this presence that shows up and has these lines of dialogue. So. I don't yeah. think I would say it's scary. I would say the movie is scary when I was ten for sure, just because of like the the uh, the shock of some of those scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was ten, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd be too scared. I feel like, honestly, because of that dread, I'd be like worried and kind of scared. You, you know what? Yeah, no, I feel like when I was ten, dread would get me pretty scared. Yeah, you were scared to so, like dude. just knowing and probably that that kill with the art uh was she a journalist or a oh, critic critic we right? right off which is good though is that your Ooh. i was just gonna say because i seriously think i keep forgetting this your favorite kill is that it oh yeah oh my favorite kill dude okay so i think my favorite kill god that opening kill was really really i really liked the opening kill but I also really like that. Uh, damn. Okay. Shit. I'm a little bit tired. Uh, d- did you like the apartment? The apartment one was amazing. Critic? Blew my mind both times I watched it. Like <laughs> coolest, if not the coolest, one of the coolest horror sequences, kill scenes I've ever seen. How she's getting dragged really? across and it's panning out out of the city, and you see all the apartments like open like it's really not even having an effect on the city like no one's seeing this but she's getting dragged across by a hook across the window as it's panning out across the city and it's like fast forwarding so she's like doing it like all twitchy and like fast she's getting dragged across and there's like a streak of blood that shot was so sick uh, do Man, you know what yeah off of that you, shot alone you me. <laughs> do any horror movie because that was amazing to create a sequence that i haven't seen in a horror movie that's impressive in and itself. And it's like utilizing the best of like Candyman's tool set. Yeah. Like he has that like And you don't even that see selective him in that. invisibility. You know, he's super fucking strong like so having that just abnormal fucking inhuman strength to lift a woman up by a hook and just drag her. Yeah, that's And the dread of fucking, that. Really good kill. Of getting dragged across <laughs> by a hook across the window looking out over the city and no one can see you or hear you scream. You probably can't even scream because there's a hook in your throat. That's like that talk about dread. Oof. <laughs> yeah, that that'd probably be my favorite scene. We too. almost went the episode without talking about it and I would have hated myself forever. Well, I for was that. gonna bring it up. I was okay. gonna bring it up actually. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you did. 
Yeah, because I was waiting for it. I was like, yo, so we're doing this like after. <laughs> we would have had to do a separate <laughs> side episode if we didn't. Whew. Right. So the question everyone wants to know, does it make it into the House of Horrors? You know, I'm, I'm going to say just like because of the respect alone that this movie gives to the original, the amount of effort that uh, Nia DaCosta put into this, I'm going to say personally, I, I think it belongs in the House of Horrors because I feel like that's how you respectably do the best you can to continue a series that has seen some pretty big stinkers. You're not lying. And I agree. Kind of kind of revive it. Almost in a sense, not revive. Well, would you call this movie reviving the Candyman franchise? Because I, when I think of Candyman, I just think of the first, and I, I completely ignore the second and third. <laughs> yeah, but even pretty still. much. Uh, revi- yeah, I mean, there's so much hype. This movie did so well. My girlfriend yeah, works at an elementary just- school, and like the little kids were asking her <laughs> if she saw Candyman. So it started it all over again. There's a whole generation of kids who are scared about it and hearing about the myth. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's back, baby. But they don't need to make <laughs> another one. And I'm worried because it's done so well that like studios will keep thinking. They, I know they will. They're going to say, wow. Candyman, a remake more. of this 30-year-old movie, just made $60 million. Like, what's the next remake we're going to do? And that is what scares me because almost all of them I hate. Yeah. No, like, dude, it is a slippery fucking slope with success. Like, I feel like the hardest movies to make are sequels. For sure. Especially remake because, ones, in a sense. Or like, Oh, yeah, dude, because you... Fuck it. you gotta you ha you have to fucking put everything you have into it for ju- just to even make it close to how good the original was or even like the next one after. Yeah, and I should correct myself. I know this one isn't a remake, but it's very much in the same vein of like it's remaking the sequel in a weird way. Is what it's doing. Yeah, it's, no, it's a I, little I understand bold. that because um, going a little bit off topic, but very similar is that. Uh, the video game series God of War. Uh, All right, guys, it's been like, real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's had like quite a few games in the main timeline, but you know they made a new. They've basically made like a renditioned God of War, just naming it, you know, God of War, and it was a little bit. It was continuing the plot, but also definitely kind of retconning elements of the game itself. They're doing that so in that's games kind of now Candyman too. Is. What? They're doing that in video games now too. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, video game remakes. Yeah, dude, they got demons. But why souls, are they all they doing that? They're naming it what the Russian first one was, which is so disrespectful to me. <laughs> like it, it's yeah. so like uh, I don't, I don't want to say elitist, but it's so like uh, like yeah, we're the real one almost. Like stop doing that. <laughs> Make it Candyman something. I yeah, I, I don't think I would call it like oh we're the real one. They're more so just kind of like. They're taking the trend of oh, it's back, bro. God of War, Candyman, it's back. But not, but don't do just the name of yeah. it. The first one is that one. So I don't know. Like I hate it. Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. They're all doing it. <laughs> like yeah. Stop doing that. <laughs> Give it a subtitle mm-hmm. at least. True. Nobody. It's really hard. I think games do subtitles. Movies don't really do all that. Too but you're much, saying that it? God of War didn't? No, God of War didn't. Yeah, do because the that's an older game, the first one. So it's almost like doing the same thing. The movie is like, oh, remember this? We're bringing it back, and we're like, 
mm. kind of rebooting it in a sense. Like, just give it a fucking yeah. subtitle. Is that the? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> well, what's shitty is that I think what people think the subtitle is is the year it came out. So twenty. Well, because you have to to be able to differentiate yeah, it from the first one, which is why it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of it, yeah, dude. No, I mean I I agree with you, dude. It is kind of snobby. Yeah. To a certain extent. It's such a trend, and it's really annoying me, if you can't tell. Now, here's the thing. Do you think Candyman, this one, do you think it deserves to have that kind of name title? It's or do you think fine, it should have had a but subtitle? stop doing it in general. <laughs> like, because the movie's good, I give it a pass, but, like, they're still doing it. Just stop doing that. <laughs> Please. I don't, I don't know who to write a letter to, so but... Up their ass. Gosh, that would really make me happy if you just, if I didn't have to, like, denote it by year when talking about it. And then this new generation, that's what it's doing, too, because then this new generation is, like, considering it as, like, if I say Nightmare to Elm Street, who was, to someone who's born in, like, 2005, they're going to... They're going to think you're talking about, like, the 2009 movie or whatever? Yeah, so... God, that's fucking rough. Oh, my God. So I'm thankful I didn't grow up in that kind of age group of like hearing. I mean, you're close, dude. Let's I'm be real. Close. I mean, John Carpenter's the thing. I thought it was like the first, the thing. Oh yeah, I guess that did happen. But at least it's John Carpenter's the thing. I give it a pass. It's John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, it's John. Car- yeah, John Carpenter. No, no, no. One hundred percent. But they but... did the thing again in like two thousand like eight. Oh yeah, no, the prequel movie. Ugh. Isn't it still called the thing? I'm per- I'm pretty sure it's the thing. Stop 2011. doing that, <laughs> Dad. Yeah, fuck. All right, we're gonna have a whole other podcast episode if we keep talking. And you know about what our next episode is? Do I need to do a drum roll? Do it. Oh shit! All right. We don't know. <laughs> we what? <laughs> yeah, we will be having a guest, but we don't know who the we don't know a who the guest is or b what movie they're picking. We're gonna try out a trial period of. The guest actually picking. That could go horribly wrong, but... Dude, we're trying something new. Are you fucking kidding me? Call us Candyman, dude. Took a fucking... Took a month to get this down. Yeah. Gosh, I could take a break from Candyman, though. Not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, definitely. As much as we love it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm excited to go into new movies. Going into one-offs for a little bit. All right, well, we did this one. We did it right. Says me. Man. All right. Final thoughts? Want to say your goodbyes, or... Final thought? You're Just, done. I'm done? <laughs> You're done, dude. Bro, I'm the... Do you know who the fuck I am, hey, Jordan? That is one slick goose, and that goose is cooked. That is a... I am the slick goose, bitch. Signing I'm off, I am you the You say my name goose. five times in a mirror, dude. You're gonna get a fucking goose egg on your head. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, for the untitled right. episode, we don't know yet. Maybe we should do House of Thousand Horrors. Oh. Subtitle, House of Thousand Horrors. No, no subtitle, House of a Thousand Horrors. Damn, now you're thinking. Nice. Now, I'm thinking in the mindset of a corporation. Dude, man. you got big money dreams. I like it. The money maker <laughs> over here. All right, <laughs> see you later. All right, bye, guys. Peace. Peace.